The Detroit Tigers get swept by the Boston Red Sox in Fenway Park. Today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. The Detroit Tigers officially, officially is kind of a weird word to use there, but uh, finally, predictably, I don't know, uh, get swept by the Boston Red Sox. Um, series finale on Wednesday night, a score of six to two heading into an off day, which then heads into a three game set in Arizona. Um, uh, rough, rough. going to sound like a, like a dog, a lot in this one, a lot of rough and a lot of wolf, not, not very great. Um, the offense has, again, like, like we talked about the, the first day after the Texas series, the first game of the Boston series where the offense wasn't fantastic. We kind of pointed out, you know, if we're going based on, on odds that the, the, the last two games of Texas were the outlier versus the first game in Boston being the outlier, the odds pretty heavily favor the fact that that the two games in Texas were, in fact, the outlier. And uh, it it's looks more and more every day like that is unfortunately the case. Tigers put up two in this one. And uh, those two were on a first-inning home run by Javier Baez. And that was it. That was it for the entire game. The offense was honestly pretty putrid. Five hits. Five hits, three walks, two runs. That's eight base runners, two runs. Really, really bad with runners in scoring position yet again. Uh, did not drive in a single runner in scoring position actually all night. Because the only run they did drive in was Riley Green was on first base. And uh, Javi hit a homer. So there you go. Did not drive in a single runner in scoring position the entire game. At one point had first and third no outs. Couldn't drive in a single runner. Robbie Grossman struck out that inning. Robbie Grossman has not been good. He has been really struggling this season. Been really struggling this season. 584 OPS now on the year. And that's higher than Spencer Torkelson's 573 OPS, which are both higher than Jonathan Scope's 557 OPS. And all three of those are higher then Tucker Barnhart's 518 OPS. That is your six through nine hitters. Your four, your bottom four hitters in your lineup. Not a single one has an OPS over 585. Let that sink in. Harold Castro on this one goes over. His OPS is down to 710. Miguel Cabrera. 
gets a uh, gets a crazy single in this one. To be honest with you, um, that'll be a 299 average on the year now. 710 OPS. Javi Baez his OPS is up to 626 after another dominant performance. He was redonkulous in this series. Has been for the last week. His hit streak is now up to seven games. He goes two for three in this one uh, with two RBIs, obviously, a walk, and again, no strikeouts. It's also crazy, too, because like all of his hits in this stretch, his OPS in the last seven games is like dang near 1,500. Like it's it's absolutely absurd. Um, the crazy thing is, you know, obviously, knowing that, like all of the hits in the stretch are almost that almost all of them are extra base hits. Very, very impressive. Very, very impressive. He is definitely heating up now. Uh in the field, he had two misplays. Only one of them counted as an error. But golly, really, really rough game in the field for Javi. Now, it didn't cost us any runs. Both both well, like I said, only one of them counted as an error, but um both misplays in the field. Neither of them led to any runs being scored. We got out of the inning without giving up any runs both times. But um, regardless, I- I'm really just like we know how good of a defender he can be. I'm really just glad that that the offense is is here because we need we need something. We need something. I'm sorry if this is if if. <laughs> This is uh, pessimistic or low energy or whatever, but I, I mean, this, it's very difficult to to talk about how brutal this offense is every single day. And they just keep reminding you day in and day out how absolutely just... <laughs> I've run out of adjectives. I've used all of them in the first two months of this season. It's unbelievable. That's the only word for it, really. I think that's the most accurate word. It's unbelievable. Victor Reyes goes over. Riley Green with a hit in this one. Um, no walks, no strikeouts. I, uh, I I really like his approach at the plate. I really like his approach a lot. And he batted two in the two hole in this one. Was not swallowed up by the moment. Did did not let the you know it wasn't too big for him to be hitting two at Fenway Park. He he really was. He really was. Uh, he, he looked really really good in the box. Really good in the box. There was one at bat. He had lefty on lefty, and he got a slider low and away again, and he reached for it. it still made contact, but it was a re- weak ground out. That's one that we've noticed so far coming up if there's a lefty on lefty they're going to throw a slider low and away and and if it's relatively close green has a tendency to chase so that'll be something that he has to adjust on but this early i mean he's looked he's looked really really solid at the plate i I thought it was going to be a double his one single in this one i thought that i really did think it was going to be a double too oh but duran as we'll get to him has uh cut the ball off and, and got it in back quickly so almost his first extra base hit but Regardless, has still looked really, really good in the in the batter's box, and I've been very, very impressed. Um, I mean, we, we expect him to be in the top two, three of this lineup for years to come, and, uh, and, and hopefully this is just the start of it. So I guess what I'm saying is, especially if it's a righty on the bump, I would not, ex- I would not be surprised if Green got a lot of look early in the top two 
it maybe even move try him at leadoff at some point because um we, we don't really have a leadoff hitter Robbie Grossman ha- has been struggling so mightily Willie Castro is not an everyday leadoff hitter for a team that takes itself remotely seriously uh Victor Reyes has gone on hot streaks and has some ability too but uh with that low of a walk rate and and just the the inconsistency again Victor Reyes isn't a leadoff hitter for a playoff team like uh not saying necessarily any of these guys are I guess with the way this year's gone um but I, it wouldn't surprise me if again especially against righties if Riley Green got some luck and the other thing is he doesn't struggle against lefties historically there's actually uh, in his most recent trip to the minors um it hmm, it was either this year so far since the rehab or it was the end of last season but uh, he, he went on a pretty significant stretch in the minor leagues where his numbers against lefties were actually better than his numbers against righties. So that's not like a concern going forward. I don't think very many people have a concern with, oh, you know, Riley Green can't hit, you know, lefties going to be a platoon guy like that. That's a non that's a non factor as it stands right now. That That's not something that anybody's worried about. So the slider low and away thing, it's just something I've noticed since getting called up. I've seen him trace at least three of them off the top of my head. He spit on a couple too, but but has has gone uh, gone fishing for a couple. So just something to keep an eye on. But really, the big story in this one is just the offense continues to to be the Tigers' offense. Also, I said I, I put in a thumbnail three or four days ago. I think it was the first game of the Boston series. I think I think it was Monday. I think I, I made a thumbnail for the YouTube video for this. Uh, it said the Tigers' offense is back. And then for the next 30 minutes, I talked about how the offense was back to being like not that good. And somebody left a comment was like, the Tigers offense is not back. This offense sucks. And I was like, did you did you listen at all to the show? Because I, I, I understand how if you're just looking at the thumbnail and don't take in any of the content, how you might think that I was saying that the Tigers offense is back. Like, oh, we're good. Like, we're so back. When in actuality... I spent 30 minutes talking about how bad it was. So, like, I I hope you, you you know, actually watch the show before just looking at a thumbnail and think and getting so angry that you leave a comment on something you didn't even watch. But that plays into now because I'm probably going to say that a lot throughout this episode. Oh, we're back. We're back. I just don't want that to be misconstrued into me saying that the offense is good because it's certainly – uh, again, looks like the last two games of the Texas series are outliers. All right. So there you go. Really hard to score when uh, when you're not getting extra base hits. We, we had the one home run that accounted for both of our runs scored. Besides that home run, okay, so that was one hit. Besides that home run, we had seven base runners. And one of those seven was an extra base hit, and it was a double by Jonathan Scope. Besides that, all walks and singles again. Continues to be the story of the season. And, I, I mean, honestly, in this one, I mean, outside of Javi Baez and, and Riley Green, well, I guess really just Javi Baez. Outside of Javi Baez, he, he had two hits. So outside of him, your, your other eight players on offense had – had three hits and Javi had two by himself. So there you go. Not going to win too many games when that's the case. Javi is an absolute fuego though, which is nice to see. Hopefully he can keep it rolling. 
going in to Arizona. We'll talk about the Arizona thing at the end. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, the Rosenthal piece at the end, too, because that's like the talk of Tigers Twitter. We will talk about the pitching in this one, Scooble, before we get to that, though. Before all of that, though, I'm just really setting up a show here. We got to tell y'all about our friends over at Blue Nile. Dot com. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via via phone, chat, or phone or chat. That's what I meant to say. To help you find a memorable gift at every budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Tigers listeners are getting $50 off of purchases, $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement, so you co- use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. You can shop stress-free and find your forever peace at BlueNile.com today. All right, everybody. Welcome back to our second segment here at Locked on Tigers. Uh, Check out the live NBA draft show because one live NBA draft show is just not really enough. The entire NBA channel is going live on NBA draft night. So you have a favorite NBA team. You make sure to subscribe now to their Locked on YouTube channel, Locked on Pistons, baby. Traded Jeremy Grant today for not a whole lot. Going to be interesting. Who's the man, though? Uh, he, uh, he, he's got everything covered over there at locked on Pistons. So definitely go check them out. Or if you're a fan of another team, go check out there as well. And you can get notified when they go live on draft night, like every host will be doing. Okay. Segment two here, locked on tigers. Um, so I think that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about with the offense. Again, it's really hard to do like crazy breakdowns. Miguel Cabrera, Harold Castro, Robbie Grossman combined for six strikeouts. Your four, five, and six hitters had six strikeouts between them. Outside of that, you only had two. I guess that's not terrible. Eight strikeouts in a game isn't isn't at putrid for a team. But the hardier lineup-ish, four, five, six, six Ks. Not great. Not great. Like I said, you also had... Runners on first and third with no outs at one point and couldn't score a run. Just brutal. No extra base hits and no ability to drive in runs when they're in scoring position. The theme of the season. What's not the theme of the season, but has been the theme of the last three starts at least, is Tarek Skubal struggles yet again. Four and two-thirds. Six hits, six runs, three walks, and five strikeouts. Here's the thing. Uh, This isn't some like crazy rocket science. Oh my goodness. Why is Tarek Skubal struggling? We need to do like a a really deep dive and there's a huge analytical answer. The answer is straight up just no command. That that's really all it is. I I know it, maybe it's anticlimactic. Maybe that makes it more frustrating. That's not some big dramatic like, Oh, look, if you look here, he's not doing this and he was doing this. 
It's just he doesn't have his command, especially glove side. It is just not there. He's really struggling a lot with the command all around. Um, but in this game, especially glove side, it was it was brutal. There's no other way to describe it besides brutal. And the pitch mix was what we've seen mostly, you know, more sliders than anything else. Four seam fastball right there, sinker right there, change up right there. He was mix- mixing his pitches a lot. Didn't throw a single pitch over 30 times, but threw four different pitches over 20 times. That's a heck of a pitch mix, right? So, like, he he was mixing his stuff up well. He had 14 whiffs and four and two-thirds. That's not bad, right? Like, the stuff still plays. Um, 99 pitches in four and two-thirds, golly. So, the stuff still plays. The average exit velocity, 85 miles an hour. That's low. That's, like, a solid number. That that's that his average exit velocity on the slider was 84 on the sinker was 91. That's high. The four seam fastball was 102. Only put in play twice though, and then the changeup was below 70 miles an hour, and it was put in play three times. It's it's just no no command, and especially no glove side command over there. Really really brutal stuff. Had a really hard time pitching inside to a lot of hitters on this Red Sox team. And that is another righty-filled, power-hitting lineup. And I know Rob Refschneider was was the guy that that really was one of the guys that really abused you in this one. And he's not a power hitter. I, I, I totally understand that. But top to bottom, that, I mean, we've talked about it all series. That's a dang good lineup. A dang good lineup. And, uh... When you don't have command, it's really hard to navigate through that. But the stuff still plays. Five Ks and 14 whiffs. Like, the the, the stuff is still there. It's, it hasn't gone anywhere. It's not flat. It's good. Just no command. And, and three walks in, in less than five innings for Tarek Skubal is also very, very high. It's high for anybody, really. Um, but, but definitely high for him as well. Just frustrating. That's three starts in a row, and I and I thought the command we've talked about it on the show the command hasn't really been that good for three starts in a row, but and and tonight it was definitely highlighted in a big big way. ZRA's up to three four now. Slowly, uh, slowly climbing there. Obviously, very much climbing. So I wish the, I, I mean I wish I had more for you. I wish there was some like crazy thing that that. Uh, that I found, that somebody else found, that someone that's smarter than me found, but it's it's just poor command. It's just poor command. The mix is there, the whiffs are there, the 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 stuff is there. The average exit velocity wasn't hitting too many barrels tonight. It's there. It just all comes down to being able to place pitches, and and he really wasn't able to do that. Like I said, especially I mean throwing it inside to people, it was it was a lost cause. He, he couldn't throw inside to anybody. So then he went outside to people and then they were just sitting on outside because they realized that he couldn't go inside without throwing a ball or throwing it down the middle. So they just sat from the middle to the outside part of the plate. And that was it, especially the righties, right? That That's all they had to do. Just just sit on middle to, to outside. Don't even look at inside because it's going to be a ball and, and he wasn't able to take advantage of that. Game plans changed throughout a game. His did not. Here we are. Four and two thirds, six runs, hundred pitches. Not a great outing. He'll be fine. This isn't a, this isn't a, a, a 
opinion changer of the future because of th- a three bad st- bad start stretch in June for a team that's worse than 15 games under 500. Like I, I still think he'll play and I still think he'll be fine. His stuff will continue to play, but um, definitely something that he needs to get under control, get with Fetter and, uh, and get in the lab there and figure it out. Bullpen, Joe Jimenez, uh, I thought looked pretty solid in this one. Gave up a, cu- a little bit of hard contact, but uh, for the most part, I mean, no runs counted against him. That's that's two outings in a row that I've been pretty impressed with Joe. Willie Peralta looked solid. Jason Foley looked unbelievable. Struck out the side. Did give up a hit, but still, I guess, whatever you think. Can you strike out the side with giving up a hit? That's the subjective age-old question. Um, but struck out three in an inning. So really, really solid from Foley yet again. Uh, that sinker is going to play, man. I'm telling you, that sinker is going to play. For Boston, uh, you just tip your cap. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. They have a crazy good lineup. Um, Duran might be like the, one of the next Tigers killers. He was a really annoying at bat the entire series. Really took advantage again when they kind of focused in this game at least their attention away. Uh, you know, re- really took advantage the entire series. But highlighted by tonight with a couple of RBIs. I'd tip your cap and move on. Don't, you know, roll over. Like, be, be, everybody has every right to be upset. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's done. We got swept. Uh, the writing was kind of on the wall after game one. Um, game two was was the one game we really had a chance of winning. That still really stings. But this game doesn't sting. We just got outclassed by a team that is much better and ran a lot better from the front office down. And we'll talk about... The front office, I guess, a little bit more after I tell y'all about Athletic Greens. Uh, this is a product that I use every single day. They, The network kind of got me hooked on it because it was a, a product that they sent out so that you could test it out before you started selling it on air. And um, I fell in love with it. And I re-up it every single month. Something that I use literally every day. It's just a green powder that you mix in with water every morning before breakfast. And it fixes your immune health, your gut health, anti-aging stuff, like all the best anti-aging doctors in the world love it. Um, It's lifestyle friendly, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. It accommodates all of that. Less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything. It really is incredible. And uh, it it just, it's awesome. I just start my day with it. And you can really tell the difference. That's why it's something that I... I get every single month now. So be sure to check out Athletic Greens. A lot of athletes use it too. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, everybody, welcome back to our third and final segment here at Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Uh, Okay, I don't think there's too much more I want to touch on this game. Jeter Downs made his MLB debut. That was kind of cool. Um, Did not get a hit. Actually went 0 for 4 with 3K, so we were able to contain him a little bit. Uh, It was just the rest of the team that kind of, I think every single, oh, JD went 0 for 0, but he had a walk. So 
everybody else besides Jeter Downs got on base at least once in this game for the Boston Red Sox. Really wasn't great. It really wasn't great. So taking a look forward, I mean, we have an off day tomorrow. That'll be nice for everybody. But uh, honestly, we haven't used really our, our important, like close game bullpen very often. So I guess we get an off day for the lower stress relievers that have just been used a ton because we haven't been in very com- many competitive games. Uh, so that's, uh, that, that's nice, I guess. Give the starting pitchers another day off. Maybe school can go one, you know, in, in four games instead of five games. I don't know that off days are nice. Sure. Um, then we head into Arizona and Arizona, that's a very winnable series and I know what's going to happen. And then they're going to run in there and take two of three or even sweep them. And uh, we're going to get all excited. And then they're going to play a relatively good team and uh, get rocked again and get punched in the mouth. That's probably going to be the story for the rest of the season. I, I, you know, maybe I'm just in a super pessimistic mood uh, because this series was super discouraging, but uh, that that's how I think the most of the rest of the season is going to go. We're going to win some games. We're going to have some flashy moments. We're going to have, you know, some hobby moments, some Riley green moments. Hopefully Torkelson gets going. Um, but I, I, I just, I don't expect this team to go out there. Like last year's team punched people in the mouth. Like they fought, especially, you know, mid May on that, that team. I mean, we swept the Yankees at one point, like that was a huge thing. We swept the Astros at one point, like, that team, that team had had some, I don't know, grit. I, I don't know the difference, really. This year's team, I, I just, I don't have that feeling. When we were good, right, back in the early 2010s, you would watch a Tigers game and you would, every single at-bat, you would assume that something good was going to happen. Or every single game you'd go into it and you would assume something good was going to happen. Tigers were going to go down one. And you think, oh, well, like, how are they going to come back from this? How are they going to make this a competitive game? Because they always did. And whenever there were, you know, there are five to seven dudes in that lineup who every time they came up, you, even though statistically they got out more than half the time, you expected something to happen every single time one of those dudes came up to the plate. Prime Victor Martinez, obviously prime Miguel Cabrera, that there were, there were dudes Right, that that you just felt like you were the better team the entire game. You just felt it. Even even in games that you lost, you know, you, you drop one to Kansas City in August, and you're like, all right, well, like, whatever. We're the better team. I have truly had that feeling one time all year, and that was the Baltimore Orioles series on Friday the 13th. That whole series, that whole weekend – I felt the entire time like we were in control of every single game. I felt that like we were going to win every single game, um, and, and we did. And we swept them, and we felt like this is just the better team. We are the better team here. That is legitimately the only time I have actually shared that feeling that I had every single game when watching this team for the first almost half of, of the 2010s. So that leads us to the current state of the team and Ken Rosenthal now of the athletic uh, probably the biggest baseball writer on the planet. It's either him or passing. Um, and, and I think all time 
it's it's like a who's better LeBron or Jordan argument I'm making right now, I guess. But like all time, Rosenthal is definitely like the more prominent name, even though maybe currently like in tw- since 2020 or something, passing maybe has taken the torch. But um, for for career's sake, Rosenthal is, is probably the biggest baseball writer on the planet. Um, well over a, a million followers on social media and stuff. Is able to go to the athletic and make a pretty pretty darn good living and subscribe to the athletic by the way man great stuff uh james edwards the third for the pistons as well phenomenal with the draft coming up and free agency and everything he's a really fun guy to keep tabs on anyway adhd moment um so ken rosenthal writes a piece about the detroit tigers and the thumbnail picture is javi baez clearly frustrated and it just for an entire article he does it in his very ken rosenthal respectful way because ken rosenthal doesn't really have a uh you know not 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 a very disrespectful person pretty pretty respectful guy when it comes to to how he covers teams especially uh you know maybe in his older years versus you know when he was young and upcoming but regardless is always uh, been been a pretty respectful. Doesn't really write hit pieces like that. Doesn't really write clickbaity pieces like that. And just wrote an entire article about essentially Alavila's failure as general manager of the Detroit Tigers and highlighting all the moves he made, uh, highlighting other front offices' opinion of Alavila, highlighting other front offices office's opinion of the Illich ownership and without even putting his opinion in it too much just kind of let it write itself because nobody else's opinion of our front office is good nobody's rival executive doesn't think Alavila is savvy enough or, or is timely enough or or has basically the stones to make the right moves to get a team out of a rebuild Oh, rival executive doesn't think that ownership is all the way invested. Oh, well, rival execs don't think that Alavila has made enough good moves to put this team in a position to be successful going forward. Oh, rival executives really point at the 2019 trade deadline when for some reason he didn't trade Michael Fulmer and Matthew Boyd and and his entire tenure, tenure is just filled with him not taking advantage of opportunities as they're presented to him and not taking advantage of those opportunistic moments like that. Not taking advantage of, of timely trades, not taking advantage of, of selling when, when players' value was at its highest, not taking advantage of buying when players' values were at their highest. And um, yeah. It didn't go over very well. Not not Rosenthal. I don't think anyone has any beef with Ken Rosenthal. Um, I, I think it, it didn't go over well because it's something that we kind of have already known and the national media doesn't talk about bad teams. Why would they? What's the point of talking about a bad team? You can just talk about the Yankees being good and get all the clicks you need for a month. So national media doesn't really cover bad teams like that. And they certainly did today and we deserve it and the front office deserves it it's totally deserved this has been a catastrophic season 
any worse possible way. Worst case scenario across the board has happened. And pretty much everything Rosenthal said in the article was pretty objective. He pointed out the injuries, then just laid out all of Avila's past moves. All of his draft picks besides, you know, top three, top five overall selections that anybody could have made. And lays everything out and is pretty objective. And again, doesn't even put his opinion into terribly much. He really just lets it write itself because it's really easy to let it write itself. And here we are. Just got swept by the Boston Red Sox. And all of our free agent signings are mightily struggling season-wide, right? We have one that's not even with the team currently uh, and was not pitching that amazingly before outside of a couple of starts. Um, one has struggled, been in one of the worst cold stretches he's ever been on for two months and in the last seven days is finally getting hot again. Uh, the one trade acquisition has the lowest OPS in the entire lineup and has honestly not been as good defensively behind the plate as he has been in years past. Then you called up a couple of top prospects, one of which is one of the worst registered players, according to war in the entire game of baseball, as it stands right now. It's not great. It's not great. And I still fully believe in Spencer Torkelson. I still liked the Barnhart signing trade rather when it happened. Um, I still think Javi has the potential to be a, a, a net positive. I still like the Eduardo Rodriguez signing. I, I liked it when it happened. Um, but at the end of the day, my job is to talk about the signings that happen. And I can look like a fool and, Thousands of people on the internet will make sure that everybody knows when I look like a fool every single day and hold me accountable every single day. And any bad take I've ever had in my life is public. And people take advantage of that. Take advantage might be too dramatic of a word. People know that. <laughs> and I it, it just get paid to talk about it. So... When it's your job to make the decisions, you have to be held accountable too. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. For your next listens, be sure to check out uh, the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. We've been talking about it. The NBA Draft is today as you're listening to this. I'm super pumped for the Stones, the Pistons. Um, so search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and get over 50 insiders, the Odyssey Sports experts, the draft experts of Lockdown NBA Big Board, the five-episode Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is underway, so make the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft your second listen today. And thank you for making us your first listen. Appreciate y'all. Tomorrow, maybe we'll do something fun. Kind of take the edge off. We can do a minor league update again. Uh, I don't even think I've talked about Jackson Job in the last one, so we can uh, – I mean, Kerry Carpenter still still killing it. Um, we got. We, we can do another minor league update if you'd like. Uh, we can maybe go more in depth on the Rosenthal thing. Um, what else can we do? I don't know. Throwback. We can do the guessing game we used to do last season. We're like trivia. We can do whatever, man. We can, we can have a fun, fun end of the week show to kind of 
take the 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 weight of this season off of my my back and all of yours because uh i think we all deserve it so we'll do something fun i'll figure it out if you have any ideas feel free to uh you know whatever tweet it out i see everything even though i don't respond to everything because some of y'all are rude all right peace and love going to therapy is dope i really do appreciate y'all and i'll catch y'all tomorrow go tigers baby